Hello, welcome to You Don't Know Mojack. My name is Ryan. My name is Brand. In this episode, we're discussing SST-125, the Lawndale LP Sasquatch Rock. We've safely made it through the Zoog's Rift Nebula, and uh, we're now into some Lawndale. And I love the Lawndale. It's, uh, it's nice to be back with them. They have a bit of a special place for me anyways, since Brant and I used to play in an instro band together way back when. Yeah. And we've also got a special guest, Brant. Yeah, Dave Childs is on the show. Great interview, great guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, yet again, also adds some color to this uh, this very cool record. Yeah. Brant, do you uh, do you have any spiels for the people to start us off? I do, Ryan. I have a, a new... A new segment? Yeah, it's a new segment. <laughs> okay, well, in keeping with our lists of like... It, all our segments are lists now. Just lists of like 10 things. That's good. Yeah, we're kind of, <laughs> I don't know, maybe we're falling into a into a rut here. This is... No, no. Okay. No, no, no. L- lists is, it's discipline, man. Okay. Well, this, yeah. I'm calling this the SS tree, okay? I like it. These, I like it. It's It's got a good pun element. I yeah, like it. Yeah. These are um, records that are on the SST family tree. Some are maybe stretches, but... Here we go. And I, I specifically picked things that I, that weren't super obvious that I thought maybe you, if you haven't heard them, or listeners would enjoy. So this is an SST, tr- no, SS tree or SST tree? SS tree. SS tree recommends edition? Sure. Like what's the okay? What's the occasion? The, I just listened to these records this week. I just oh, picked. Okay. I just picked out ten records with loosely associated with SST for various reasons. Lay the branches on us, man. Okay. Uh, the Zulus down on the floor, and you have to tell me if you're if you're aware of these records and what the SST connection is as I go through them. Not aware. Okay. 1989 slash records. Malcolm Travis and Rich Gilbert, Larry Banger, all from a band called Human Sexual Response. Malcolm went on to play in Customized with Peter Prescott of uh, Mission of Burma and Volcano Suns. He played played drums in Sugar. The album, Ryan, was produced by Bob Mould. Ooh, how do I not know this? Nice work, man. There's an EP too. It's really good also. Has a has a kind of a Mission of Burma Gang of Four feel to it at times. You'd probably like it. Keep going. The Zulus. Okay. Volcano. I don't think so. Okay. Nope. 2004 on this really obscure label. I, I I don't think it's around anymore. Skunk Records. One of the projects Kurt Kirkwood did after the Pops split up and before they reformed. Uh, it's got a bunch of people associated with the band Sublime on it and it's a real gem if you're a Kurt Kirkwood fan. It sounds like, you know, he has a sound and this this yeah, record yeah. has it. Okay. I'm not I'm not familiar with that one either. That one's less surprising though. I should know the Zulus. That I don't know Volcano, you know, you're you're way more into the pups uh rabbit hole than I am. Yeah. Midget hand job. The album's called Midnight Snack Break at the Poodle Factory. I recognize the name, but I can't remember why. I don't have any of their stuff, though. Okay, well, they only had that one album. came out in the year 2000 on Epitaph, of all labels. It's Keith Morris, plus some members of Clawhammer and the Geraldine Fibbers. 
And that's how I know it. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of this jazzy spoken word record. And it's Keith doing like, it's Keith doing like noir uh, jazz poetry. Just picture that while well, you've heard it. So, but it's good. I've it's heard worth... it not for a long time though. I'll, I'll, I'll revisit it. I, I suspect, um, my mind was not as open as it is now when I heard it first. Yeah. Okay. This one's maybe not for you, Ryan. Legal Weapon. They had many albums. The one I picked was called Interior Hearts. 1985 on Arsenal Records. A CD version came out in 1991 on XXX Records. They were formed in 1980 around in, until around 94. A zillion different members in the band, including Steve Reed, who was in Bazooka and played with Sylvia Giancosa. Okay. The, ba the band revolved around Cat Arthur on vocals and Brian Hansen on guitar. Kind of a Thunders Doll-style rock band at times. Got a little slick later on, signed to MCA Records in 1988. They were managed by Michael Whitaker, the Spaceman. Oh, no way. If you think back to our interview with him on episode 80, he talks about when he moved to LA, he started managing the band. I don't know them either. I'll check that out. Do you have 10? 10 of I these? I have 10 of these, yep. Whoa. Okay, no, hit me with number four. Okay, Wino, Adrift, 2010 on Exile on Mainstream Records. You might like this one, Ryan. It's Wino Solo Acoustic. It's kind of bluesy at times. Really highlights Wino's awesome voice. He's done a few other acoustic records with this guy, Connie Ox, that are worth checking out. And he's got a new one called Forever Gone coming out soon. And he's already released one track from it. It's a cool cover of Joy Division's Isolation. Oh, you can't go wrong with Joy Division. You know, I did check out Shrine Builder. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, it had a lot of promise, but it's not a keeper for me. Okay. I'm, I'm still just obsessed with The Obsessed and I'm on album two now. Nice. Okay, The Love Dolls, Love One Another, came out in 1989 on Buy Our Records. It says on the back of the record, recorded summer 88 in the parking lot behind Raji's in Hollywood. That, of course, is the band that was formed after the movie when they decided to start a real band. I actually think Dave mentions this in the interview, so it's a bit of a tie-in. Kim Pilkington on guitar, uh, who wrote almost the entire album, by the way. Lisa Freeman on vocals. She has a spoken word record on New Alliance Records. Janet Housden, who we're going to be oh, yeah. hearing about pretty soon here. Steve's sister. She played drums, uh, of course, in Red Cross also. And Raw Zebra, a really cool band that Dave mentions too. And Raw Zebra, by the way, is spelled R-A-S-Z-E-B-R-A-E. I've mentioned them a few times, but I was calling them Ray's Bray. <laughs> but it's, ra it's, ra it's Raw Zebra. Are you sure it's not Ross Zebra? Like as in Ross Brandt? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Abby Travis is in the band. Dave Travis's sister on bass. Uh, kind of glammy garage punk with a dash of the bangles. It's cool. It's a, it's a cool record. Okay, here's another tie into our interview fish camp the fish camp record which was recorded in the spring of 88 it's dave childs chuck dukowski and philo and dave talks a bit about it in the interview here you can check them out on philo's website which is 
vandyne.com. That's V-A-N-D-U-Y-N-E.com. And they're also on Craig Abera's Triscadecaphobia San Pedro Comp. Yeah, and you can also hear that on his Bandcamp page, on the Procrastination Youth Bandcamp page. There's a track on there called Bird Shit Windshield, done by Fish Camp. And the, the, I guess it would be an EP, it was never released, but it's eight songs, 15 minutes, this Fish Camp EP. Yeah, when Dave first mentioned it, I was like, what? Did he say Fishwife? Which is this San Diego band, I think, on Headhunter Records that I used to be into. Like, well, I still probably into them. I just haven't heard them forever, but Fish Camp. Okay, Downy Mildew. Remember that name, Ryan? Nope. Okay, they have a 12-inch EP that came out in 1986 on Texas Hotel. It's folky pop loosely associated with the Paisley Underground scene, and Jason Kahn played drums on the EP. Okay. Jason, of course, we interviewed for episode 109, our Universal Congress of episode, and he mentions Downey Mildew. Okay, the last two, 10 East, this instrumental psych jam band full of all kinds of desert musicians, and I can't wait to get to this sort of quartet in the the desert scene. Bill Stinson on drums, a bunch of SST-related stuff. Uh, Brant Bjork, who played in Caius and a zillion other bands. Gary R.C. from Sort of Quartet and Yawning Man, etc. Scott Reeder from Caius and Darkside. Remember Darkside, Ryan? Indeed, I do. Yep. Yes. A Mario Lolly of Fatso Jetson, Sort of Quartet, Darkside also. Bunch of other people. They released three albums, but 2008's The Robot's Guide to Freedom has Greg Ginn on guitar and organ. Oh, no way. Okay, and this is, I saved the best for last. Vallis. Do you know Vallis, Ryan? V-A-L-I-S? Yeah, isn't that one of the Connor brothers? I've got those records. Yeah, it's Van Connor. The one I picked is called Minds Through Space and Time. It's the latest one from 2012 on Strange Earth, Van's label. Yep, yep. Patrick Connor, his younger brother, who Gary Lee played with as the Purple Outside is in the band. Gary Lee plays on it. Steve Fisk plays on it, but it's really Van's band. Produced by Jack and Dino, and it's awesome. Kind of stoner space rock with that total late 90s Man's Ruin sound. To it yeah it's good agreed there's the ss tree for you all 10 of them that's nice hey your number 10 of your ss tree mentioned some trees get it yes <laughs> yes i do get it ryan <laughs> all right man what else you got that's a deadly uh segment i'm in that's it that's it okay All right, well, I've got, uh, maybe they're like three micro spiels for you, okay? Okay. My first one is a Shrek spiel shout out. Are you ready? (laughs) Born ready. Okay, so a friend of the pod, Jeff Shrek, tweeted me a recommend, and I dig it, and I think you will too. Uh, Now, Jeff sent it to me because... uh, you know, I probably mentioned a fair amount of times some uh, noise rock bands or the Chicago noise rock scene, I suppose. Um, but he mentioned this band that has a, a Chicago connection. And he uh, mentioned it as kind of having a noise rock vibe to it. And it definitely does. 
but it has more and and wait for it i'll tell you why i think you should check it out the band is called drilling for blasting and it's a duo it's on this label um let's pretend records they also put out some other uh bands that i like like uh tweak bird which is another duo actually tweak bird are good but drilling for blasting is um it's a duo the uh the album i it just came in the mail actually it was like delivered during the plague and it's called fingers are the best eyes this lp now it's definitely noise it's definitely chicago but it also brant sounds a bit like the lazy cowgirls really acdc mule zz top and it's got some slide guitar and it rocks as well so i think you should definitely check that one out man oh i will yeah i i think you'd really enjoy it um now before i get to my third micro spiel i wanted to third have you done two nope nope i've i've done one okay before i go to my third one my second micro spiel brand i wanted to see if it's cool if i just quickly step into the comp zone hold on let me set you up let me tee you up here <laughs> the comp zone all right there we go i gotta step into the comp zone for a, a bit here so i mentioned right off the hop that uh lawndale has got a special place uh, for me and for you, because we both played in an instro band in the 90s. More, I would say, in the era where garage rock was really happening. And uh, But Lawndale definitely, for me, has that like that 80s instro surf sound. And I, I'm talking like definitely instrumental with strats and reverb, but not like the super um, spring reverb sound you know that you would have heard in more in the 60s or whatever but it got me thinking about some wicked comps from back then that um had these bands on them from back then that were like really big like I, you know i really got into this stuff um but like has uh like john and the night riders uh the halibuts the merman all this kind of sound and i wanted to mention a couple and see if you remembered them at all or I think I probably would have lent them to you. How about the Beyond the Beach compilation? Yes. Southern Culture and the Skids does Mexi Melt. Um, there's the Golden Tones on here. Uh, like, again, a bunch of bands that were big back then. How about Attack of the New Killer Surf Guitars? Do you remember that comp? I don't remember that one. So this one's got Agent Orange on it, the Cow Slingers. Um, it has the Supertones and the Merman, low straight jackets. It even has some Davy Allen on it, but this is a good comp as well from back then. Do you remember, Brant, I have this box set put up by Rhino called Kawabunga, a yep. four CD set. Yep. And on, on it, um, disc four is called New Waves. And again, of this era, the Lawndale 90s surf era, this one has got uh, John and the Night Riders on it again. Um, has the Insect Surfers, the Halibuts, who we all also mentioned, Manor Astroman, of course, Phantom Surfers, the Boss Martians, the Mermen, a lot of those bands. And then this is the fourth comp. I thought I would see whether you remembered. This one's called Swingin' Creepers, a tribute. That's an awesome To one. the Ventures, yes. With, here's, here's um, the SS Tree 
very remote tie-in. You mentioned the band Volcano. There is the band The Volcanoes on this one. Yes. <laughs> do you remember? Great surf band. Yeah. Do you remember their, uh, they got a wicked record called Surfquake. Remember? Yes. Um, Estrus. This has uh, the Penetrators on it, the Cave 4, John and the Night Riders again, which are, John and the Night Riders were of this era with Lawndale as well. The Tiki Tones, you'll remember them probably. Yes. Yeah, I have one, at least one of their records. Satan's Pilgrims. Um, anyways, these are four comps from like the 90s, but really listening to this Lawndale record reminded me to go check out these uh, comps because, man, oh man, did I play them to death in the 90s, and they still hold up. There's some great, great tracks on there. Uh, that Ventures one is great. Oh, yeah. Remember, Ryan? Remember when we played with the Bomboras? Remember? I do remember. That. Remember when we... Remember when we played with Manor Astro Man? Remember? Remember? Yeah. Okay, here's here's my third microspiel. Brandt, guess what I'm holding in my hand right now? The Mark Lanigan book. Nope. Your copy of Sasquatch Rock. Oh, nice. Do you remember? So this is, I bought this for you on like probably my last pre-plague record shopping trip. And, uh, I got this one for you, and you were supposed to come pick it up. Uh, when were you coming? In May? Like right away here, right? Like right right next weekend, yeah. Right now, yeah. Uh, for the record fair, unfortunately, that's all canceled. Um, but I was going to give yeah. this to you. So I wanted to show you over the, the Skype video thingy, thingamabobber here. This is your Sasquatch Rock. It's waiting for you here. Next time you come visit. Thanks, pal. Yeah, man. Um, I have not... It does not have the insert. Mine does, and we'll get to it during history lesson part uno or dos. I don't know which one yet. Um, it is a cutout, though, just like mine. And uh, But I have not... It's not ready for you anyways, because the, the jacket's coming apart, and I haven't lovingly restored it with some Elmer's glue for you before you before you get it. So anyways that's real swell of you ryan yeah man so your sasquatch rock is sitting here gathering dust until you visit next and uh and thanks pal yeah man that's it for me are we done ryan are you done your spiels yeah man let's go next to the last frontier <laughs> history lesson part one all right so we're into lawndale zone and uh i i, I really dug it this week um now, I can't remember, Brant, whether uh, when we did the last Lawndale episode, did we did we uh, give the people the uh, the Spaceman spiel on Lawndale from the back of the No Age record, or should I lay that on the people? Uh, it's always a good time to lay down some sp some Spaceman, whether we did or didn't. Okay, well, let's... I, I want to hear it again. I know that. Okay, let's do it, man. Let's do it. All right, here we go. This again is from uh, the No Age comp, which is SST 102. That's a double LP instro. Go back and listen to that episode. Uh, we cover all those great um, instro bands on SST, Lawndale being one of them. And uh, here's what the Spaceman said about Lawndale when uh, the No Age record came out. The first instrumental music to really make it big in modern times was undoubtedly surf music. Lawndale has taken this time-honored musical tradition and brought it screaming into the future with their impressible sense of mischief, incorporating elements of jazz, 
check out their mind-blowing marriage of Dave Brubeck's Take 5 and Zeppelin's Whole Lot of Love, country and western, flamenco, and all other party musics the world over. Lawndale are the kings of fun. With three guitarists who all double on bass, Lawndale has a stylistic armada of guitar wackiness. With a sense of humor and a total knowledge of their craft, Lawndale is one of the few bands who will make you smile every time. And then it talks about the songs on the comp here. The song Days of Pop and Taco is from their first album, Beyond Barbecue, and that we covered that on SST 87. March of the Melted Army Men is from their second album, this one, Sasquatch Rock, SST 125. Yeah. That's it. I have a whole sheet here, Ryan, from the SST promo kit about this album. Whoa. Which is for sure written by Michael Whitaker. It's got his trademark stuff all over it. I won't read the whole thing, but it's basically this... Well, I'll just give you some highlights. Sasquatch, the name itself, conjures up images of the noble savage, the last vestiges of our primordial past, the missing link between our ancestors and modern man. Lawndale, the name itself, conjures up images of the noble hot dog vendor, the last... <laughs> he is noble. The last... Tra- he, he or she is noble. Yes. The last traces of 60s kitsch, the missing link between Cole Porter and Led Zeppelin. Put them both together and you have Lawndale's new album, Sasquatch Rock, a hilarious journey through the history of music with your tour guides, Dave, Rick, Steve, and Jack. It talks a bit about Beyond Barbecue here, uh, the musical equivalent of the mighty Zepp doing safaris covers with Julio Iglesias doing scat vocals on top. (laughs) (laughs) oh that's good here's a little this is like a surf band thing the calling all guitars sound of sasquatch rock yeah for sure do you remember what our sound was on our records what was it again oh the hub was it we we were the originators of the hub city hot rods that's right that's right yeah okay check this out Formed in the very first moments of 1984 by four fellows with similar art, fun, sun backgrounds, Lawndale were soon known as the guys who will play anywhere. From the parking lots of the Lawndale Jewelry and Loan and the Solo Mia Mio Pizza Parlor to the front areas of the Roxy and assorted record stores like the Warehouse and Peanuts, Lawndale were bringing what many critics were calling their acid surf sound to people everywhere. And then it talks about how it was during one of these performances, they met a Yeti or a Sasquatch (laughs) and he had a knapsack full of awesome bootlegs and a tie dyed shirt and a vintage 59 Les Paul. (laughs) And he communicated to them through grunts and groans and he was jamming with them and the results were resulted in a new, a new direction for Lawndale the Sasquatch rock sound. <laughs> sure. <laughs> there you go. His spirit will never be forgotten by the men of Lawndale. The Sasquatch? Yeah. Right. I'm pretty sure it would be Sasquatch, not Yeti. Pretty sure that Yeti is yes. like the Asian version, right? Yeah. Or Eurasian? I don't know. Yeah, the Sasquatch is like the Northwestern, North America, forest-dwelling ape, right? I don't know. I didn't research Sasquatches before the episode. I'm sorry. Dude, man, you really 
really kind of dropped the ball there. I, I kind of shit the bed on that one. Yeah. Well, you want to uh, turn it over to Dave then? Yeah, man. Okay, we're joined by Dave Childs on the podcast. Dave, thanks for being on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Okay, so we're on our Lawndale Sasquatch Rock album. Can you take me back to that time? What was going on with Lawndale after Beyond Barbecue? It seems like you guys played a ton of shows. I think I read somewhere you were known as the guys who will play anywhere. Yeah, we, you know, being instrumental, we didn't need a PA. So we did, we played a lot of parties. Uh, I remember once we played a, a pawn shop, which was a, uh, I think Rick had bought an amp at this place in, in Lawndale, which is <laughs> usually we didn't, you know, we weren't really from Lawndale, but we were actually, um, and I had never even been there at the time, but there was a uh, place called Lawndale Jewelry and Loan that we played at um, in front to get out of debt. <laughs> or get out of hawk i think <laughs> and that was a fun one we did one at a pizzeria that was in hollywood um the guy this old um italian guy vittorio had uh this old pizzeria osole mio osole mio and he was uh apparently had been the manager of the safaris at one time oh, okay so i remember playing out there in the back of that place and uh so we, yeah, we had all kinds of gigs and you know different. We did some generator parties um, mm-hmm. with uh, I don't know if you know Dave Travis who um, he had a club out here <clears throat> called Cafe Nella. Yeah, so he he had a generator and he would do parties up in the um, in Santa Monica Mountains. There was like you know there's fire roads up there and he found these little secret places where uh, we'd do these parties. Uh, th- those were pretty cool. So there's all kinds of stuff like that. And, um, you know, we just played it anytime we could, you know, we were young. So going out every night anyway, and just playing at different gigs. And, but yeah, this Sasquatch rock, you know, at that point we had already SST was, had put out the first record. So, cause the first record we just did on our own at first, we, we did like half of it, um, just recorded at radio Tokyo and, uh, we brought it to them and then they agreed to, to record the rest of it. Right. You know? So, you know, but the second one, they were already going to pay for it, so that was a little easier. Mm-hmm. Did I see somewhere that you played with, like, Dick Dale and Davey Allen? Yeah, well, there was a Dick Dale. One time, we got a gig at the Palomino, which was a, it, traditionally, it was a country place, country western, right in San Fernando Valley in North Hollywood. And that place had uh, never had punk rock, you know, or any kind of underground stuff. It was all, you know, like famous either country western or, or like oldies kind of stuff and um you know dick dale was one of the type of bands that would play there and at the time he was doing the um more of a vegas review kind of style okay you know later he did the three i don't know if you heard the later albums he did where it's like a trio and it was really cool stuff but yeah. the original the, the band that he did back then was more like you know he had background singers and um so like 10 people on stage and um, it was a little schmaltzy, you know, but he played all the good hits. And, uh, right. So we got a gig opening for him. And uh, that one, I remember we were supposed to play two sets, you know, and we got there and we, they gave us these tickets. It said, um, every, it's free to get in if you, if you give the tickets out. Right. So, we, you know, we told everybody we gave them the tickets out. People were coming. And, um, but when we, uh, we didn't know you had to put your name on the back of it to identify that you had brought those people. Oh, I so see. So by the time we, yeah, so they didn't, the club thought we didn't bring anybody. So by the time it, 
we played our first set and then Dick Dale did this really long set. So afterwards, um, he just ran so long. The, the guy said, Oh, well, you know, you guys don't get to play your second set. No, you didn't bring anybody anyway. <laughs> but meanwhile, we had like 80 people or tons of friends had come down there. Right. So that, that was kind of weird. But, um, but yeah, we did that gig. And then I think the Davy Allen one was a, um, a different, that was like a, um, something to do with the Olympics. There was like a, in 84, there was a place, Lace Gallery, that was an art uh, place downtown, and they were doing the show. And I don't remember exactly the details, but it was Davy Allen, um, The Halibuts, Insect Surfers, and Lawndale. Oh, wow. Obviously, you're, you know, you did play with some surf bands, but you guys played with, like, every kind of band. <laughs> every Lawndale poster, you know, it's like, runs the gamut from, like, Red Cross to... I'm sure you probably played with like Zoog's Rift or maybe even St. Vitus. Yeah. Yeah. We had a St. I remember playing with St. Vitus and the Nip Drivers. I think I have the flyer for that one still, but um, yeah, we, cause we we're, you know, really came out of the punk rock scene and we we're just kind of doing this weird um, instrumental stuff. So it wasn't, it didn't totally meet, you know, we weren't punk rock, you know, but right. we had some, you know, we'd play fast and different. A lot of the tunes had different kind of, uh, there was all the genres mixed in kind of, you know, so it kind of fit anywhere, but, um, yeah, we weren't trying to be a surf band really, you know, we weren't doing like covers of surf tunes or doing traditional surf music really. It was just that it was played on Stratocasters and Telecasters and had that, you know, melodic, not, not too distorted, uh, sound. So it kind of, you know, we used the reverb and so we had a, similarities, but we weren't like trying to be retro. You right. Know what I mean? Right. Well, speaking of like coming from punk rock, if I'm remembering the story right, Jack was kind of involved in, was it Beyond Baroque? Kind of like this, like an art space, yeah, Jack, like writer's group. Right. He did, uh, he was a poet, you know, he yeah. is a poet and a writer. And so he was doing, um, he worked at this place, Beyond Baroque, which was like a performance place where this had writer's workshops and different, you know, they would do events and stuff. And, uh, so he was doing that, and then he had this magazine, Barney, at the time. It was like a poetry magazine. Right. So we, you know, when I first met those guys, it was like they had all, they were kind of like in that scene, like this sort of, you know, the punk rock scene was like more arty at that point. It wasn't really hardcore yet. It was, you know, 19, well, it was actually, it had, there was the hardcore stuff too, but it was still like a real, um, I don't know, stuff was all together. You know, there was like all kinds, it would be a noise band and then, right. you know, punk band and then, you know, some sort of post-punk, you know, all in one show. And, um, but yeah, we kind of, um, so we fit in in different stuff. We could sort of play with different bands and it didn't matter. You know, not, not that everybody may have liked it. <laughs> some <laughs> of the people didn't get it, but we would, uh, we would do that. And, um, and that's, you know, even like when we met Sonic Youth, they were just, no one knew who they were really. They just came from New York and they were out here and they needed, they wanted to play, they were going to play this desert show, which was an amazing, this thing called Desolation Center. Right. You know? Yeah. And yeah, so I met those guys, or Tim and Thurston, when, because um, a friend of mine, Stuart Sweezy, was doing the, putting on the show. And, uh, but when I was talking to them, they go, oh, yeah, we heard of you guys. And, uh, and I go, hey, well, let's play some shows sometime. And so, you know, after that whole desert show, 
they came back out and we would like loan them our instruments. You know, we, they had their own guitars, which they had put nails and hammer nails into and whatnot. But we, they would use our amps, you know, and our drums for like several different shows. Wow. And it was weird, you know, people were like, "What's Longdale and Sonic?" <laughs> it doesn't really go together. But have you seen the documentary yet? Yeah, yeah, that's really great. Yeah, are you guys in it? Um, we, it's weird. We played the boat show, the one called oh, Joy yeah. at Sea. Yeah. So we're, but we're not really featured in the movie. We kind of got cut out of it. Mm. There's a little reference to it, but yeah, it was mainly, it was Minute Man and Meat Puppets, you know, and then we were in the uh, lobby. It was, it was kind of funny when people would walk on to the boat, give your ticket, you know, and get on. Then we'd be, we were like the lounge band playing as you <laughs> entered, you know, and then later in this other band played Dead of Nature, maybe, or. I'm not sure that I can't remember now the band that played down there also but then later uh, upstairs was the uh, the main event so we were kind of like an add-on thing but that was pretty awesome no kidding so this album Sasquatch Rock was recorded at Radio Tokyo now we haven't heard Radio Tokyo for a while I'm wondering if were they even still around by this point like the point in time this album actually came out like or was it recorded was it maybe no, it six was, months prior? That, it was out. Radio Tokyo was still there probably a few years after that. Oh, in really? Fact, I was, um, yeah, I was in the, I recorded with Sylvia Giancosa at that right. place about yeah. a year later. Hmm. So that was, um, they were still doing, doing stuff, but um, I'm not sure when it closed. Um, if you go down to that neighborhood now, it's like super trendy and, um, that you can see the actual it used to be a house right, you know, and then yeah. he, the guy made it ethan james made it into a studio but now you still see the house and it's like a fancy hair hair place you know like a hair <laughs> place. it's still a business but but it looks like yeah a house. yeah <laughs> yeah it's still there but the whole neighborhood is totally different um you know there's just nothing going on that it used to be there no no thrift stores or anything like that engineered by richard andrews and ethan i believe yeah, I think Richard was sort of the right-hand man with Ethan. Okay. So the two of them, you know, different times were manning the controls. Uh, I want to ask you about a few people that played on the album. The harmonica player on Alabama Slammer mm -hmm. and Next to the Last Frontier and Instrumental, Kenneth... Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. oh Dyfek. Kenneth Dyfek, I think is his name, yeah. yeah. Um, Do you know a what... friend of Jack's that I don't... I don't remember. I didn't know him very well, but I remember that he uh, he came in with a case, you know, a little box full of harmonicas. You know, like, uh -huh. what, what key do you want? You know, he was really good. You know, he could he played the studio stuff mostly. You know, so he was laid it down immediately without any practice. Didn't even right. hear it. I don't. Maybe you heard the track, but he barely knew. You know, he he was a pro. Okay. More than we were. You know, for sure. Uh, yeah, he he was amazing. Michael Glass did the Robert Plant vocal on the track Take Five. Yeah, Mike Glass, he was the uh, guitar player for Sin 34. Okay, and yeah. um, also was in White Flag, I think, too. Sure. <laughs> Everybody was in White Flag, I think, at one point. Yeah, <laughs> that might have been a later. But yeah, he, I don't know, I think, I guess he used to do a Robert Plant impression. I forget why we had him do that, but we just knew that he was going to be good at doing that uh right. that scream that whale you know and you made a video for that song yeah i think that's our only video actually it's like a pro looking video 
similar mashup to the uh, the Duke Ellington Pink Floyd one on Beyond Barbecue. Yeah, you know, because yeah, when that one, you know, the original the Duke Ellington one, it was I don't know whose idea it was, but they were like, let's do this thing. I got well, I'm gonna do this medley, you know. So I didn't even know the two songs, honestly. I was like so young. I was just like, oh, okay, whatever. You know, we played them and. I figured out something to play, but I had never really heard the Duke Ellington or I don't even know if I knew the Pink Floyd tune, but, um, you know, that worked out and everyone liked it. And then we were going to do the cover of, uh, Dave Brubeck and, um, we were just kind of jamming. And then one day we were doing that and somehow it, it felt like a whole lot of love just kind of felt like it creeped in. Like, <laughs> like, hey, it's like the same, maybe the beat I was doing. I don't know something about it. We just go, Hey, that, you could almost play a whole lot of love right here. So it was completely natural. And then we thought, oh, well, let's do that because we, we like doing weird things like that. And, you know, it worked out pretty right. well. And people seemed to like it. Now we do a version of it with, um, we've been doing it with Helter Skelter lately. Oh, cool. Instead, kind of got bored. But... How old were you? Were you much younger than the rest of the guys? Not re- Well, not much. I was like 22, probably. Okay. But they were... I get Steve and I are about the same age. Jack and Rick were um, probably like five or six years older. All right, Eric Ungar. He was in the Alternatives. He plays flute on a couple songs. Right. Yeah, Eric. We had played some gigs. I think they had come out here. I remember always August and Alternatives came to L.A. And uh, in fact, yeah, I remember we actually played out in Mario Lolly's. Um, one of his gigs, he, you know, from Fatto Jetson yeah, and yeah. Um, Sword of Quartet, those guys, they would do these generator parties out in the desert. So one time we had, um, I think, Painted Willie. I know that Alternatives played. We were, it was like a, an abandoned, uh, uh, like a nudist colony or something out in the middle of the desert. And it had like this yeah. swimming pool that was, you know, dry. I've, there's and a documentary a wall, about one, it <laughs> that I've seen. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so you might know more than me. I just remember it started to rain. People are on acid, the whole thing. It was like we were playing and it started to kind of rain while we were playing, but we got, were able to like pack up and they were like, okay, we're moving the party to, um, to Mario's house. So we all drove and it started getting dark and we ended up at this their place where they had a garage and um, alternatives set up in there. And it was like an all-nighter, you know. I remember alternatives going on, maybe fat suggestion, but it was, the memory is foggy about that. So we'd done some gigs with, with the alternatives, and um, so we knew knew those guys a little bit, and um, and we ended up playing with them in Richmond when we went back on tour with the Sasquatch Rock. But, uh, yeah, Eric, was, I remember him doing the, the flute. I think he played sax and flute different on his, in his band. All right, Steve Moss. Universal Congress of Saccharine Trust. He plays some sax on this mm-hmm. album. Yeah, what, I don't even. What's you know what song it is? I think it's Hot Pink Bongos. I think. Oh, Hot Pink Bongos. Yeah. So yeah, Steve Moss, great guy. I remember um, him doing a lot of uh, in uh, so, in um, Universal Congress of mainly, but um, and and Saccharines, but. Uh, Greg Ginn played on March of the Melted Army Men. Yeah, of course. But again, that was, and that was like our little uh, gone, you know, uh, Lawndale gone fusion thing. Right. We did one show where he actually played 
he got up and played that solo, you know, or a solo. Oh yeah. In that tune, once at the Music Machine, this place in L.A., West L.A., that that closed years later. But um, it was uh, it was cool. Yeah, I remember him doing the recording. It was, it was really fun. Mm-hmm. I, I do also on the live show. I remember it was really hard. It was like horrible sound, and we didn't know what was going. I couldn't hear what anything except again. You know, <laughs> so there was no rhythm, and that was that was not as good. <laughs> but the recording went pretty well. You mentioned playing in Richmond when you toured Sasquatch Rock. Did you do a lot of touring on this record? One tour. One it tour. Was Lawndale's tour. We had like, a, it broke up the band, basically. Okay. It was um, probably six weeks, maybe, I don't know if two months or not, but it was, you know, one of those SST tours, and, you know, play pretty much every day. Maybe we had one day off occasionally, but um, and drive, you know, a few hundred miles every day and that kind of thing. So it, it was cool. I mean, I remember I was probably in 1987. I was like 25, so I was really into it. It was really fun. And um, after about two weeks, I go, yeah, this isn't as fun. You know, <laughs> like it, the first 14 days, really great, you know. Yeah. But just drinking every night, and, and, and sometimes you're playing, and you're going, okay, well, this is uh, now it's not, there's nobody here. You know, like you're right. playing, you have a bad night or whatever, you on a Sunday somewhere, you know. You never know what you're going to get. Actually, small towns were usually good, but anytime it was a big city, you never knew. Yeah. People, they don't really care as much. So, you know, some of our best shows were like places like Richmond. Or, uh, remember another town in Virginia that was really great. And uh, some of the smaller places where people really were excited to see a band, you know. Right. Was it just but, you guys uh, yeah, we, on, on the road or did you have another band with you? Um, it was just, uh, just us. Um, we did play a lot of shows with this band that it was called Nice Strong Arm, and I don't know what label they were on, but yeah, Homestead, I, don't I think. Know where they were from? Yeah, that might be right. Yeah. yeah, and they were really cool. I remember we played a bunch of times with them, and they would have like four days off. They were really broke. I remember them mm-hmm. thinking how oh, SST did a better job of uh, booking us because we could eat every day, you know, because yep. we had enough money. They were just barely getting by on PB and J, you know. And um, getting the supermarket food mostly because, you know, but we were on the road, um, you know, driving and eating in diners and stuff. At least we could afford that. I remember our van, we had a horrible problem with uh, the engine broke down. We had to buy a a rebuilt engine on the second day of the tour. Oh, wow. That was like a bad omen. (laughs) No kidding. (laughs) That that canceled a couple of gigs. And then we, I think it made it to the East Coast and then... We nearly lost a, a wheel, like the, all the, the lugs got sheared off by a, uh, like a, it was a vibration. And, you know, we pull over and like literally the one lug was left. We, were, we almost lost the wheel and wow. probably been thrown off of the road or whatever. But so we had to fix that. And then we had like a trans, another problem with the carburetor. It was just like a terrible, terrible van. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so that, and then, but yeah, the, the tour, it was fun. But yeah, I remember after that. I think it was like too much and people were just not as into it. Right. And uh, we just kind of didn't play. It was sort of broke up. Like Jack didn't want to play anymore. I think he was really, really, he didn't like the tour as much. When you guys did play, I mean, on the back of this record, for example, Steve, Rick and Jack are all credited to lead and rhythm guitar and bass. Like, did you switch out based on what song was being played? We'll see what would the deal was. For some reason, um, 
from day one when I joined the band, they they all wanted to switch. They always wanted to they switch instruments. You know, like right. nobody was really a bass player, I guess. So they were just like, oh, we'll just you know, want to here. I'll play bass on this tune, and then so I think like Jack played bass on uh, Streets of Desire, and then he would you know, then there would be this switch in the middle. All of a sudden, we'd stop and they'd switch instruments. Okay, so it was kind of funny, you know, and then. There'd be another switch, you know, because there were, one of the other guys would be on bass, and then it was a little bit frustrating because there was not a real consistent bass going on for me anyway. I was, right. but other than that, it was kind of a novelty. Later, when we, um, when Rick, in the last, you know, ten years ago, when Rick, we did a couple gigs, and then he didn't want to play. We decided, oh, let's just get a bass player, you know, like a real bass player, and we we got a guy, and he. He played bass, but he still wanted to do a little guitar, so we were we'd still do the switch. And then when he quit, the final, the la- the guy, the, now we have Philo Van Dyne, who's in the last, and yep. he's in Jack Brewer band, and he's in about 10 bands. He He's a guitar player, and I played in a band with him called Fish Camp with Chuck Dukowski for a while. And so yep. he's really a guitar player, but um, he agreed just to do bass, you know, so he's now like, he's an amazing bass player, it turns out. <laughs> and he's solid on bass, so we don't have to switch. Because the switching thing, it's in the middle of the set, you're just like, oh, we got to pause for five, you know, like two, three minutes, you know, while we switch up and tune and all this stuff. So it's a little easier just with keeping the instruments. But yeah, in the old days, it was all three played at different points, probably all the different guitars and <laughs> bass that we have. Yeah, Phil's played with everybody. I think he's playing in Worm now. Yeah, yeah, now he's in Worm. And uh, so, yeah, he's. Zoe's, uh, he's got gigs constantly. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Tell me about, about that cool band, thing. Fish Camp. I was going to ask about that. Um, that was in, um, see, when I, about in the 90s, I started a bar called Liquid Kitty, and I was, I didn't really play for a while. I had injured my neck, and I couldn't, I had a herniated disc, and I couldn't play drums, so I was thinking, like, okay, well, I'll just concentrate on business and do this thing, and, um, but after a few years, I was getting restless and I wanted to play. So um, Phil and I, just, he said, hey, you know, Chuck wants to jam. And so we just started to jam. And it not, wasn't a real band, really. But Phil had a, um, his mom had a house in Torrance that was, uh, he had built this really cool little, um, well, it was not cool. It was like the smallest little studio of all time. It was half of a garage with probably five feet of thickness of carpet. <laughs> so it was the smallest little claustrophobic room you could fit three people in it you know right and swa used to practice in there so we we'd go in there and play so it you know it was fun and then we actually recorded and we played gigs occasionally but we weren't really um you know we never put the record out or anything it was like a maybe six songs or something right and you mentioned playing with sylvia on her album nature how did that happen yeah, well, when Lawndale broke up in, um, it was probably 88 or something, she, I just ran into her one night at this club, Raji's, and uh, she's like, oh, yeah, you know, I need a new drummer, and do you want to play? And just basically, that was it, and we started to play, and uh, it was called Two Damascus right. at the time. That was her band, and but she was going to, you know, later change the name just because it was a new material and whatnot, and um, this guy, Tom Shannon, this bass player who was pretty good. He was like a, uh, one of those, there's this place, Bass Institute of, or Music Institute of Technology out here. So he was from there. He's like one of those, um, more of a uh, fusion kind of guy. Okay. 
so he you know he and he had this other band death and taxes which so they're like more a little more um prog rocky kind of guys mm-hmm. and um so i we got along great and everything was good and we played and, and then she record we recorded that thing it was probably within like three or four months i mean we barely were together and then i was ousted because <laughs> Uh, Tom had a, his drummer from his other band. He really wanted to get that guy in. And that guy became the drummer for, and they did a tour with him. But, but yeah, we we had a fun time doing it, you know, for the that amount of time, and uh, mm-hmm. wasn't a ton of practice for it, but I thought it was all right. So she had really good tunes. You know, she was amazing. Really, really, uh, very energetic, and you know, right. It was fun to play with her. I wanted to ask if you know anything about the cover art for Sasquatch Rock, Matt Clements? Yeah, well, that guy, we just kind of, um, because the, the, the Beyond uh, Barbecue record, Jack owns these paintings by this, I forget the guy's name, but the guy that did the spy right. painting, and they were really cool. So we didn't, you know, we had used those on the first record, and those were perfect really and then the second one we just like we needed we didn't have anything in mind so we uh, i i don't know where we found this guy but we he made this the picture of the sasquatch and he had like kind of like a cardboard cutout to, it was real minimalist kind of with um trees sort of like little um construction paper cut out trees okay and uh that was what it looked like so we were like i kind of like the sasquatch but i'm not create the whole uh, it looks really like a you know, a little bit like South Park, you know, picture like a right. thing you'd see on South Park. There wasn't a South Park yet, but uh, that kind of look. And so we ended up taking a, this shirt that Janet Houston had, Steve's sister, right. um, and it was a tie-dye shirt, and throwing the whole thing together. I'm not totally crazy about the look, really, or what it came <laughs> out to be, but, but yeah, that's how it happened. It's it a cool a story. Shirt. <laughs> yeah. So we have the shirt from Janet. I don't know if she still has. She used to use. I remember she had a band called Raw Zebra at the time. Okay. And she used to, I used to see her wearing that shirt. You know, with the, that's a really good tie dye. Yeah, that's how the cover came about. I think I saw a picture of her with like the love dollars, love dolls or something, and she she was wearing that shirt. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. Because then the love <laughs> dolls started up, you know, shortly after. Right. Um, around that same time, because. Dave Markey made the movie, and he, you know, they started the real. There was no real Love Dolls, but then they decided, hey, we should actually make a real band out of this, you know, fictitious band. Right. And they started playing gigs like the Monkees a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, now they're now Abby's like a famous bass player, and they're (laughs) pretty cool. Yeah. So Lawndale, you mentioned, has been playing for a number of years now. Yeah, it's good. You know, we've been doing. you know, I had this bar, that bar, Liquid Kitty, and, yeah. and then, we, you know, during that point, uh, that time, we didn't have bands there. It was more like a martini place, and, you know, hardcore drinkers loved it, and it was, you know, a real scene kind of thing in the West L.A. area. And um, I got kind of, we had fish camp going, right? So then people were always like, hey, how come your fish camp doesn't play at your bar? And I go, wow, it's like, you know, it's too loud. It's too, we don't, you know, that bar, I don't want to scare off all the customers, you know, we're right. doing like, it's noisy, whatever. So, um, and I thought, oh, well, I'd have, we should start doing some gigs like a, in, when no one's there, you know, like do like a Sunday afternoon and have uh, just tell only our friends and not the regular customers of the bar and just have like this big gig and, you know, I have a facility, so why not do it? And um, 
So then Fish Camp played some of those, and we, we started having the old, it was like a reunion of the scene, you know, from, so it was like 2001, maybe. So it's like, you know, from the 12 years after the 80s, we were there doing that, you know, and it was really great. And then um, Fish Camp kind of went away, and then I guess around that point, I thought, you know, I should try to get the Lawndale back together, because that would be really fun. And we could play the barbecue and, you know, other stuff. And uh, so kind of... Uh, I sort of got called all those guys and, you know, there was a little bit of a feud, tiny bit with certain people in there. And then they all agreed to like get along and we did, we started practicing and it was really fun. And, you know, started out and we, uh, you know, we played this reunion gig there and I think it was in 80, it was like 2000 and yeah, 2006, I think. Okay. So it was like a 20 year anniversary or whatever. And, um, uh, and that went well, but then later, then I, I got, my neck got screwed up again, so I couldn't play for a while. So then by the time I got better, Rick was like, well, I don't really want to. It's too far. I got to drive all the way out there. He, he lives like maybe an hour away. Right. And it was a pain. So that's when we got the other guy, to, a bass player, Mark Heschler, who joined up. And uh, so we just started playing, you know, different, you know, we don't push it that hard. We just kind of play whenever people ask us or Occasionally, I try to get a gig, and we used to do the punk rock barbecues at my bar, so that right. worked out. Like, how often are you but, doing yeah, live music at, at Liquid Kitty? It seems like you have a lot of, you know, uh, well, people from like this scene now playing at your at your bar. Yeah, well, see, the actual Liquid Kitty got closed in uh, 2016, so okay. it was like a 20 year run. But we, the lease ran out, and the new they sold the property, and you know. The, the property value went through the roof around here, so they basically yeah we got we got booted out. And uh, but I still am doing the shows um, whenever I can, like still about three or four times a year, but different locations. Lately, it's been at this other bar nearby called Harvell's. It has um, one of the bartenders at the Kitty, or two of them actually start they own part of that place now, so we're able to do it still. But yeah, all the luckily I try to get you know. It's it's kind of tricky, but all the old old timers they want to play, you know, and they're into it. But you know, Mike Watt, he's probably the one who's the coolest as far as anybody who doesn't need to play there. He can play gigs when they get paid, you know, and stuff. A lot of he's doing tons of tours, but he still wants to play at the barbecue. Right. But most of the other bands are a little more like they don't play as often, so they're just excited to play for a, a good crowd. Yeah. Kind of thing, but. Yeah, I can't get all the you know hottest bands because we don't really. It's a free band. It's a free. It's like a party, you know. It's free to get in, and there's not a lot of cash going on. So, but yeah, those are really really fun, and it's probably at the bar. It was one of my funnest things we was we would do. Right. Thank you, Kitty. No chance of a like a new Lawndale record. Well, actually, yeah, there is. We did um, record eight songs um a few months ago and then um or it was even longer we've it's been taking forever to get the final we still didn't mix it we were in the middle of mixing it and then the the covid19 thing hit so now we're just kind of waiting again but right there will be some sort of release yeah it's going to be i guess an ep technically mm-hmm. we don't really have any a label and we don't know yet how it'll be released but there are some songs that are, uh, new tunes and one old uh Vanna White, we re-recorded that one. Oh, cool. But the rest of them are just new tunes that we do. Right on. Well, we'll keep our eyes yeah. peeled for that. 
Yeah. Dave, thanks a lot for taking the time to chat with me tonight. I appreciate it. Yeah, Brett. Thanks a lot for having me. Yeah, you take care. Okay, you too. Nice. Okay. Thanks very much, Dave, for being on the show. Great interview. Can I can I hit you with my two favorite moments in that interview, though, Brent? Yes. Okay. So when he was talking about playing at a pizza parlor, I think you mentioned it in uh, the uh, the press release, O Solo Mio Pizza. Yeah. I think that was the name. Of it. Do you remember uh, we played a pizza parlor parlor once, right? Yeah, Zombies Pizza Parlor. That's right. So. It, yep. Seems like instro bands play uh, pizza parlors. The other thing is yep. one of my, so I'll have to save this for um, our, our 200th episode because I'm pretty sure during our 100th episode, I did a top five Brandt quotes. I'll have, <laughs> I'll, I'll have to save this one for episode 200, which will be my, my you know, top five Brandt quotes of the last 100 episodes. This one would have, this one would have to be quote, um, I think you mean hot pink bongos. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. Uh, here's some of my favorite things. How bad do you want to see that Desolation Center documentary that Stuart Sweezy made? Yeah, dude, I've watched that trailer like once a month for two years. Can you please just release it to the public? What's the deal, man? Yeah. Um, let's see what else. Oh, well, here's a documentary you can check out on YouTube for free. I've talked about this one before. It's the desert age doc. Yes. Oh, I've seen that. Yeah. Where a bunch of these, yeah, a bunch of these dudes get interviewed and it's the one that I, I referenced in the interview, I think, or we both did Yep. about the nudist colony with the giant pool that everyone was skating in. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Looking forward to getting to the Sylvia Giancosa nature album. We're not that far away from it, maybe 20 episodes. And then one of my favorite things that he said about Lawndale was, and I'm paraphrasing here, was something about, we weren't trying to be a surf band. We didn't do any traditional surf covers, which is something a lot of surf bands do. Oh, yeah. We played through strats and we used reverb, but we weren't trying to be retro. Yeah, you know what? Like that is, it's not the point I was making. In, in my spiels earlier, but it is a point that can be made about my spiels. And that is, you know, there was an 80s surf instro sound that was very modern in the 80s. And mm. Lawndale is definitely that for sure. Let's do the tracks, Ryan. Yeah, man. History lesson part two. Okay. So just so you know, Remember a, a few minutes, well, not a few minutes ago, an hour ago when I was bragging about how my copy of this has got the insert? Yeah. There's a spiel about every song in the insert. Now. Okay, yeah. I've seen it. Dave sent it to me. Okay. Well, then. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Um, some, some of it's a little too long to go through, but why don't you tell me, or you go ahead and sprinkle throughout the tracks. No, no, you you can do it. All right. But I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what I wrote here about Sasquatch Rock, the first track. Written by Jack Skelly. Starts off like a pretty trad surf song. Then it kind of has this breakdown. Does an almost like classic rock freebird guitar yep. solo. Goes into a, like a double time polka beat. Some shredding. It's just all over the place. Yep. 
My notes, my notes say surfy polka beat epic interludes. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I got from Dave. He sent this to me. The song Sasquatch Rock was named for our desert friends across the river, who later became sort of quartet. They were large and hairy and played metal. Our punk metal section of the song was inspired by them as they looked a bit like Bigfoot. Right on. Yeah, there's a big spiel in the liner notes about this one, telling a story again about the Sasquatch and making Sasquatch noises. Uh, I'm not going to read any of that. Okay. Track two, Alabama Slammer, written by Jack Skelly. Almost a Celtic thing. It sounds like something you, you'd hear played on a mandolin. And then it goes into this Russian kind of vibe yeah. with the, <laughs> with the, Hey, Hey, Hey. So I, I wrote down, it's like a Chet Atkins, Les Paul picking tune and then goes into like a Russian dance song. And don't forget, <laughs> there's some Bobo on this song. Yeah. This is the Kenneth Diefic dude. And I love the guitar solo at the end of this one too. Yeah, this one's a highlight for me. I like I like the uh, the vibe on it because I mean I used to used to dig me some Chit Atkins. Yeah. All it says on the insert for Alabama Slammer is it gives basically a a party like a a, a recipe for the drink. Right. That's all it says. Um, it says for uh, mix ingredients in a bucket glass with ice, strain into shot glass servings, and down the hatch. And then um, it's almost like. It, um, they, they have the ingredients of the drink representing sections of the song. So the third ingredient in the list is amaretto. And then it says for this part of the drink represented by the C section of the song, Lawndale has substituted vodka rather than the suggested amaretto. Hence the Russian flavor. Aha. There you go. Okay, track three, March of the Melted Army Men, written by Jack Skelly. This is the one, of course, that we've heard before on the No Age Comp. Starts with some wah-wah, little psychedelic style. I liked it then, and I like it now. Once it goes into the main riff, it sounds... this. Is, I'm sure I said this on the No Age episode. It sounds like Iron Maiden to me. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> this is the one that's got the Gincinerator on yeah. it. I wrote down, Brant is going to say Gincinerator. <laughs> I was right. <laughs> Never miss an opportunity, man. Yeah. To talk about, you got to talk about the Ginnovations. <laughs> the insert here explains that the song is basically about one of Eddie Munster's nightmares, where his tortured toys take their revenge. Okay. The long guitar solo by Greg Ginn represents the continuing psychosexual repression that haunts Eddie through his adolescence. Whoa. Aye, 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 aye. Yeah. Right. Next track is Next to the Last Frontier. Yeah, written by Rick Lawndale. This one's pretty twangy and cool. Most of Rick's songs I find are a little twangier. Uh, cool how the tempo just keeps picking up and great harmonica playing again from Kenneth. Yeah. it's a, It really reminded me of like a country number for sure. Um, then... The next, oh, it says here on the liner notes, what you might hear in a Hofbrau in El Paso, Gutentag, partner, seems to sound like it's, like they're they're suggesting it's a mix between like a German country song almost. Okay. 
Next track is Last Train to Nowhere, which is um, definitely one of the, one of the, I guess, maybe one of the more traditional sounding surfy tunes. It definitely, the, the, the music suits the name, Last Train to Nowhere, for sure, for me. Yeah, written by Jack Skelly. That's exactly what I had. One of the more trad surf tracks. I it's a favorite for me. Hundred percent. It's a great tune. Uh, they say, "All aboard, ye ho dads! No more lounging in your crash pads of indifference. This here's a nonstop choo choo bound for Oblivionville, man." <laughs> uh, then side A closes out with Tom Foolery, and uh, the thing that caught the thing that I wrote down about this was like less about the song, like the actual music and more about the song name. Cause it reminded me, I mean, one of the coolest things about playing in an intro band is you can, the creativity behind the song names, right? Love that. Yeah. Yeah. Written by Rick Lawndale. That's what I wrote aptly named. And I wrote, what the hell is going on in the midsection? It sounds like a synth or something. I think it's an octave pedal on the guitar, maybe. That's my guess. Yeah, I, thought, I thought so. Yeah, it uh, it says here um, in the insert, Dixieland in the honky-tonk, question mark. The local speakeasy has been invaded by circus clowns. Drinks on the house and a chorus of midget trombonists take up the refrain. Then you flip it over and the, the take five mashup. Yeah, I think this was probably their big hit off this record. This is the one they did the video for, directed by Dave Brookwell. You can see it on YouTube. Uh, Paul Desmond wrote it. He was the jazz alto saxophonist that was in the Dave Brubeck Quartet, I believe. This one's similar to their Pink Floyd Duke Ellington mashup on Beyond Barbecue. They do their own kind of take on the solo break from Led Zeppelin's Whole Lot of Love before they break into the, the main riff from that song. And then Mike Glass does the Robert Plant yowl. As mentioned in the interview, Mike was in Sin 34 with Dave Markey and Phil Newman, also of Painted Willie, and possibly in White Flag. I tried to find out, but it's kind of hard to tell with White Flag because they all used pseudonyms. Yeah, no doubt. That... Um... Like I'm, I'm not a huge fan of kind of that West Coast jazz stuff, but uh, I like this mashup. It's kind of cool. Do you know why it's called Take Five? No. Pretty sure it's. I actually didn't even look it up, but my guess is I'm, I'm pretty confident it's because of the time signature because it's in five four. Okay. Pretty sure about that. Um. All right. The next track then is instrumental. Yes, this was a highlight for me. Written by Rick Lawndale. Another twangy one from Rick, maybe kind of seemed to be his thing. It has seven parts, which are summed up in the liner notes really well. And this one also has Eric Ungar on flute. And you, for me, you have to give it up for the creativity on this one. Yeah, no doubt. It's funny, it has seven parts, but the way that it's written down in the liner notes, it's not quite right, I don't think, because it says part one, I think it's probably a typo, because it goes parts one, two, three, four, five, four, six, um, but maybe not. Um, they use Roman numerals, right? Exactly. And that's why, that's like, it has part four twice, and part six once, and no seven, but if I do it just in order, 
The parts are Country Swing. The second one is Andante con Fogarty. The third one is Filet of Soul. Four is Moon over Kelbos. Five is Conquistadorian. Six is Tex-Mex slash Juju. And seven is Country Swing, Da Capo. Yeah, I like this one. Yeah, it's good. Then uh, the third track is Ambush, which is a bit of a rager. Yeah, another Rick Lawndale one, a real trad surf one, and it's a good one. Yeah, speaking of white flag, the spiel here in the insert mentions white flag. It says, the morning sun blazes over the desert. U.S. Marshals are staking out a secret Texas airstrip. They suspect a plane load of cocaine to be smuggled in. When the plane zooms to a landing, the marshals move in. A short but fierce gun battle ensues. Suddenly, a white flag is waved by the pilot, who appears to be wearing a U.S. Army uniform. What? The marshals ask themselves. The Army smuggling coke? Oh, it's just Lieutenant, <laughs> it's just Lieutenant Colonel Ollie North making another drug run for the Contras. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, a, a, a political jab there in the 80s, for sure. And then the yep. last track on the record, Brant, say it for me. I think you mean Hot Pink Bongos? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the kind you just can't wait to get your fingers on, is what the insert says. <laughs> this is the only co-write on the album. It's written by Jack and Rick. Pulling out all the stops on this one, Rick on those Hot Pink Bongos, Steve Moss on sax, Eric back on the flute, Kenneth on harmonica. This one's kind of all over the place, tough to pin down a specific melody or anything, but it's cool. And then the record ends with like a little reprise at the end of it. Yep. We put some bongos on one of our tracks too, didn't we? Can't re- I think can't so, remember yeah. the name of that song. Yeah. Oh man. We even put some like some clave and some woodblock and some vibraslap and castanets. We were all over the percussion there for a bit. <laughs> Yeah. We raided the high school percussion cabinet. <laughs> hey, uh, where should we go? Album art or dead wax? Oh, we do the dead wax last, man. Okay. Okay, man. I got to mention some tourage that I found here. Okay. I found I've, I found a list of the tour dates for the Sasquatch Across America tour in 1987. It started July 24th in LA and it em- ended September 4th. 43 dates I counted and maybe three days off in those 43 days. I found a bunch of tour posters. They played with like Swa, Saccharin Trust, Painted Willie, The Romans, a band I've always kind of been really interested in, Sun City Girls, Descendants, Sonic Youth, Nice Strong Arm. Ooh. He mentioned they played a bunch of dates with on the on the Yeah, tour. man, Nice Strong Arm are so killer. To- totally, yeah. totally like forgotten, but people should check them out. And then Dave sent me this like other promo sheet talking about Londa it's called Lawndale and the the origins Lawndale and the origins of golf rock. And it's all about like how they play golf rock and this like club that it, it's really weird, man. I had to ask him, I'm like, what's this golf rock thing? <laughs> and he goes we always liked lounge music and suburban life. The golf thing was just a joke flowing out of the suburbs. We also had a logo by our artist Jeffrey Valance with the Soviet hammer and sickle replaced by a golf club and a golf tee holding up the world, which is also 
on Dave's drumhead. So I thought that was worth mentioning. Yeah. We talk about the artwork on the on the interview. I had seen a long time ago a picture on like one of the Facebook pages of the love dolls that Janet's in and she's wearing the shirt and she commented herself on the photo. That's the Lawndale Sasquatch rock shirt from a love dolls promo photo. Yeah, this Sasquatch seems to be playing a Les Paul though. Yeah, the one of them's playing like a leopard skin Les Paul in the video. Oh, okay. On the uh, the insert, there is like an eight and a half by eleven photo. Hey, it's by Bill Bachelor, and yep, they're all playing Fenders, um, a Strat, a Fender Mustang bass, and a Tele. Um, trying to figure out who is. I think it's. Let me just see here. I, I think it's Jack Skelly. Yeah, it'd be Jack Skelly playing the the strat but he's got a wicked meat puppet shirt on that i bet you you'd like i'm sure we talked about this in the interview but it was recorded on 24 track during march 1987 at radio tokyo's venice california by ethan james and or richard andrews let's talk about the pictures on the back and the the credits for the band yeah so naomi peterson took these pictures and steve's wearing the same shirt that he is in the insert photo, this Takara La Cumbre shirt. Okay. And they all have funny little uh, credits besides their, beside the instruments. Yep. Steve's credited as Red Army Chorus and Hair. He's got a nice head of hair. Oh, dude. He looks good in those uh, aviator shades too. Jack Skelly, Bigfoot Moans and Literary Prestige. Yeah, that's good. He looks like an author. Yeah. Cardigan going on there. Let's see. Rick Lawndale, fashion consultation. Yeah. He always seems to be dressed sharp in all the pictures and in the video too. Yeah. Is he Steven Stills's like long lost brother? Could be. Kind of looks like him. <laughs> kind of looks like, kind of does. For sure. Yeah. And then let's see here. Dave, Dave Childs, crop marks and truck. Yeah, I don't know what that means. He kind of looks like a cross between Slim Dunlap and Chris Mars almost. Yeah. Got a replacements vibe going on there. Got some plaid going on. Hit me with some dead wax, Ryan. Okay, here we go. So I'm going to start, well, side one, it looks like it's like literally like it's hieroglyphics or Chinese or something. So I can't read it and I'm not going to try, but it's nice to see some dead wax. It's been a long time. Side two, though, says, I couldn't pull the trigger. It looked too human. And that must be someone who was going to shoot the Sasquatch but couldn't. Yeah. Couldn't do it. A little bit of Harry and the Hendersons reference there, maybe, Brant. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure, we can go with that. <laughs> you gotta. All right. Let's go to the ballot result. Ballot result. Okay, man. Which is it? I liked uh, the the Melted Army Men. March of the Melted Army Men. I liked Last Train to Nowhere, and I liked Instrumental. You? Last Train to Nowhere is my fave. I know you would throw the Gincinerator track on there, but Last Train to Nowhere is... You know I'm like a trad surf guy when I get into this 
you know, into this vibe. And that's number one for me. But I'll go with whatever because I just I just really enjoyed the record. It was a nice uh, break. It reminded me of all these other instro records that um, I haven't paid attention to for a while. They're great to great to dust off and play. I was listening to some shadowy men. I was listening to uh, the Finks album, filler up and go. So this was like, I, I was just digging the record. So you pick. No, no, I'm good with last train of nowhere, but Hey, thanks to Dave for being on the show. He sent me a bunch of stuff and it was really, uh, really great talking to him too. Yeah. No kidding. Great that he, uh, could come on and share those stories and that he kept some of that stuff that he could provide as well yeah hold on to all of that ephemera sst uh people we're coming for you we've got uh, 250 episodes to go or so (laughs) all right well onwards and upwards ryan what's next week so next week is a very interesting release for me it's a interesting record it's a good record. i really like this band it's sst 126 the Treacherous Jaywalkers 12-inch EP Sunrise. I don't know if I've ever told you how I picked up this record way, way back, Brent, but I'll spiel it for you next episode. Sounds good. We've got a special guest, too. Josh Hayden's on the show. Yeah, nice. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, all at Pod. We post all kinds of info and tons of pictures of the bands and albums we discuss on the show. Our blog is mojackpod.com. Please check it out for some exclusive content. If you like what we do and want to support the podcast, the best way to do that is to tell your friends about the show. Subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes is also appreciated. We love hearing your opinions, corrections, and feedback, so feel free to post on our social media sites and send us an email mojackpod at gmail.com thanks again for all the support and we hope to see you next week